And the series isn't actually, it's not drenched living marriage. That's the beginning of it. It's drenched living home. And um, I realize that, that not everybody is, is married. And I realize that marriage is not a topic that a lot of people, that, that some people find easy to, to talk about or approach. Uh, you know, there are people here who, uh, who are married, uh, some happily and some less than happily. And there are people here who have been married. Uh, there are people here who are going to be married. And there are people here who ain't ever getting married. And you may go, well, what's this got to do with us? Well, even if you're one of those who ain't ever getting married, after you hear this sermon, you'll know what everybody else is supposed to do when they get married. And you can, and you can tell them you know, when, they, when they come to you for advice. Uh, if you're here and you are married, or uh, if you're not married and you had a bad marriage that ended, um, and we'll be talking more about that later in, in the series, this isn't to make you feel bad. Uh, God isn't finished with you. He's not finished with you if you're, if you're divorced and things you don't know what's coming in the future he's not finished with you if you're in in a, in a marriage that's not working very well right now you can change don't be afraid i mean as much as you know don't be afraid about offering don't be afraid about ch- you're going to change the only question is is it going to be for the worse or is it going to be for the better and god wants it to be wants your life to be for the better really is Now, would you stand with me? And let's read a passage from Ephesians chapter 5. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ... So also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh." This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the life that's in your word, and I thank you for the light that is in your word. And I pray that that light would would pierce us, would shine on us today, and show us the way to walk. Uh, I thank you for your mercy and the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.
I start off with ground rules. Uh, yeah. When I was, uh, ground rules determine um, how you define something, how, how, how you see something to be, how something is viewed. When I was a kid, we used to play, um, we used to play baseball in the, uh, out in the yard. And uh, I, w- I wouldn't call it sandlot baseball because we didn't have a sandlot. We just, had, we just had a yard with Tennessee rocks in it. And we rarely had 18 people. Uh, in fact, I don't know that we ever had 18 people to be able to, to play baseball. We were fortunate if we had, um, we were fortunate if we had six or eight. Uh, sometimes we'd just have four, which, uh, which made the teams real interesting, but we'd have to set up s- special ground rules. And one of the ground rules that we almost always had was anything to the right side of the infields and out because we didn't have anybody to go over there. Now that's not regular baseball, but that was a ground rule. And that was the way something hit to the right side of the infield could be 400 feet if, if one of us could hit it 400 feet, but it was an out because that's the ground rules. Um, when I played softball a decade or so ago, uh, one of the rules was a foul ball on the last, on, on two, with two strikes is an out. And you know, in, in baseball, that'd be kind of silly, but slow pitch softball, you can foul the ball all day long and it's like cricket. If you're losing 50 to nothing, you can just be a human rain delay until the, till they, they give up and say, okay, it's a tie and walk off. So they had that, that, that ground rule. And so ground rules, ground rules are, are important. Uh, and, uh, a successful marriage can mean different things in different, in different cultures and in different settings based on, uh, based on the ground rules in, uh, and, and okay, don't get too weird on me here. Cause I'm not going. So marriage is whatever anybody wants it to be. I'm, I'm talking about a successful marriage and how it's defined in, uh, in pre-revolutionary France. Marriage was among the upper classes. It was all about being able to get more property for your family and more status and more money and all that. And if you, if you happen to produce a legitimate heir, that would be, that would be fine as well. But, uh, uh, you know, it didn't have anything to do with love. It didn't have anything to do with fidelity. It didn't have anything to do with a lot of things that we connect with marriage nowadays. But they would consider it a successful marriage and in many places in the world today marriage has nothing to do with love it's basically a contract he does this she does that as long as she does that and he does this then a successful marriage as as far as they're concerned and everything else is kind of extraneous in it in some parts of the world marriage is more akin to slavery a successful marriage is one where the husband is happy and you don't really have to have a passport to go to some of those places. Ooh, I hear a lot of feminine voices. <laughs> but it's true. It's absolutely true. We're, you know, if, 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 you're, if you're one of those uh, feminine voices, boy, you need to get him here next week. Uh, and I'll be talking about being a, a Christian husband. But we're not talking about these ground rules today. Today we're, we're talking about something called a successful Christian marriage. Okay. It's not just, it's not just, you know, did they stay together and did they get extra money? Did they have children? We're talking about a Christian marriage and, and what makes that successful and what it's supposed to be. And, and first of all, few marriages, let me just say this, few marriages in our culture are actually interested in being a Christian marriage. You get right down to it. 
Let me tell you what a Christian marriage is, first of all. A Christian marriage is, has nothing whatsoever to do with where the marriage took place. You can get married under the sign of the cross. You can get married with the sign of the cross. You can get, you can get married with, 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 with all the flowers and all the accoutrements and all, all the things in, in a sacred holy place. But that doesn't make your marriage a Christian marriage. Christian marriage really doesn't have anything to do with the ceremony that took place. You know, you can take, it's a wonderful thing to take communion uh, as your first act as a married couple, but that doesn't make you a member of a Christian marriage just because you, just because you drank some juice and, and ate some bread during the ceremony. You can, you can, you know, light candles together and pour sand in, into in, in the in the bowls together and stuff and and tie your hands together with with golden rope and that doesn't necessarily mean you've got a christian marriage in fact christian marriage really doesn't have anything to do with the wedding day at all uh now i'm all for you know big beautiful weddings i love lovely settings and and, and on all that business, as long as somebody else is paying for it, I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. I, I, I think it's great. Uh, and we tend to put a lot of focus into that. We really do. As if that was somehow going to infuse Christ into our relationship in the years to come. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that's what's going to happen. The basic formula for marriage uh, is found in Genesis 2.24. And also over in the the section we read in in Ephesians. But uh, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Uh, This, I will point out, is pre-Christian. It doesn't mean that it's wrong, but it's, it's more ancient than Christianity. This is the universal formula for marriage for uh, for millenniums this is this in every in every culture this has been done with varying degrees of success the time comes when you leave one home and you start another home that's that's the universal theme for marriage but what i want to address today is is a christian marriage and uh Let's see, where am I going to put that? Where is that? I want to be sure I've got it in. Yeah, it starts there. Yeah. Uh, And the genius of a Christian marriage. Because Christian marriage is a genius, powerful, wonderful, empowering thing in a person's life. We're going to start off before we get there on what may seem like a little bit of a non sequitur. Is Bill Gates a genius? That's the question. Uh, Margaret and I debated this on the, on the way home uh, from our vacation this last week. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure who won the debate. Uh, she was, she, and the truth of the matter is he may be a genius, but not for the reasons that people think he is. Okay? Uh, for, for one thing, I, he doesn't write a lot of code. I don't think he ever really wrote a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of code. Uh, and so it's not that, you know, he created, 
you know, this, this wonderful system that everybody uses. And, and quite frankly, it, it, it usually hasn't necessarily been uh, the best system out there to use. And I'm, and this is, I'm not up here to start a, an Apple Microsoft debate or anything like that. But, uh, but back, uh, back in the day, even, even before windows came out, when, I, when, uh, old guys like me had our first computers. Uh, rather than using MS DOS, I used DR DOS because it was it could do more and it was it's more powerful. But what happened with this guy was he got involved. He he got his product involved with a company called IBM, and IBM was a 900 pound gorilla in the uh, in in the computing field, and uh, the people at IBM didn't have enough sense which sounds kind of strange, but they didn't have enough sense to understand that the real money was in the software. And so they allowed their machines to run on his software. Uh, and then later on, uh, he would come out with, with, with office products, you know, Word and stuff like that. And Word wasn't as good as WordPerfect, but people thought, hey, they wrote the operating system. They'll know how to write the stuff that works with it a lot better. And the next thing you know, everybody was using this operating system. And so they started buying these products and, 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 and Bill Gates found himself sitting on top of what he described. And, and I thought this was genius on his part, what he described as a, as a positive feedback spiral. In other words, uh, the more successful you were, the more the easier it was to be successful. And the easier it was to be successful, the more successful you were. And the more successful you were, the more you were perceived as being successful. And so more people wanted to get on board and the more successful you were. And the next thing you know, he was sitting on top of this empire as the world's richest man. Incredible thing. Positive feedback spiral. That's a great phrase that you've come up with there. Bill, you must be a genius. Or was he maybe just in the right place at the right time? I don't know. And I don't know if he's a genius or not, but I know this. God is a genius. In fact, that's kind of silly to say because he's just so far beyond genius. But let me use it that way. Let me just say God is, is, is a genius. And Christian marriage is intended to be life's ultimate positive feedback spiral. It really is. And that's far more important than making money or, or, or having a business empire or anything like that. It, it is created to empower people in life. Now, let me say this. I know some people, you know, God gives them the, uh, I guess, the gift of singleness. I always wondered about that, that phrase, the gift of singleness. I, I remember when, I, when we were in Zimbabwe and, um, and I was teaching the Bible school, uh, there was a lot of zealousness in the Bible school. And I remember uh, we, were in, we were in Corinthians and we were talking about marriage and the Christian home and, and the, the idea of the gift of singleness came up. And I said, you know, how many of you have the gift of singleness? You know, and I was just kind of joking because I knew all of them, you know, were just kind of like, ah, where, where's my, I need a wife, I need a husband. And, you know, but like 30 hands shot up. Really? You have the gift of... Oh, yes, pastor. We have the gift of singleness. And then the next day, you know, they'd come to me and go, Pastor, there's this girl. <laughs> I thought you had the gift. Yeah. But if someone truly does, you know, God will take care of the positive feedback spiral in their lives. He really will. But for most people, marriage is the way that, that you go. And, and let me tell you, marriage isn't easy. And that's part of the reason why we're supposed to go that way. 
Or why so many of us are wired to go that way. Because we actually have to deal with another human being. On a day-to-day, very personal, make room in my life for them level. So, positive feedback spiral. And how does it happen? Well, here's the basis right here. Ephesians 5.20. I'm only going to cover three things today. And they're all very, very simple. This is the basis. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's, that is where it starts. Right there. Others can find power and, and, and joy uh, uh, and even that positive feedback spiral. But it's more difficult. It's very difficult without Christ at the center of your life. And when Christ is at the center of your life, then you, you're trying to weather the storms that are going to come in life and, and find fulfillment in another human being is a very dicey proposition. But if you're going to weather the storms and you're going to find fulfillment in Christ, then you can, you can ride that wave together. You, you, you can get there together, even, even on the worst days. The problem is people change. You know, and so you, you marry her, and she's the most beautiful woman in the world. And unless she's Margaret, she doesn't stay that way. I'm serious. I mean, listen, I, did, I, did I mention either we're doing a play? I mean, this isn't normal stuff here. Next weekend is the last weekend. Uh, Sabrina Fair, it is such a good play. And Margaret looks gorgeous in that play, especially the second act with the, with the, with the, uh, the, the evening dress. Oh, my goodness. You know, I'm sitting there thinking, I've been married to this woman for, for 38 years. She doesn't even look 38. Okay, that, 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 that's a bunny trap. But, but, but people change. I'm just, I'm just telling you. You know, you marry him and he's a hunk. And by the t- you know, and, and 20 years later, he's a chunk. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. There you go. People change, but Christ doesn't. Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. And so you can put that foundation there. And, and there are those who make a, make a great big deal out of, out of the instruction for wives to submit to their husbands. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. And yes, they should. However, there's a foundation that is deeper than that and that is, that is below that. And it, and it is submit to one another. Out of your reverence for Christ. A Christian marriage is not one where you necessarily get married in a church. It's not one where you necessarily have certain rituals and certain rites done. It, 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 it is one where both members are willing to walk in humility with each other because they love Jesus. I don't do a lot of uh, pre-marriage counseling anymore because we've got a... We've got a process set up for that i used to do quite a bit but when i do talk to a couple in pre-marriage counseling you know i I always go okay you know tell me about your relationship with jesus do do you have a relationship with jesus and uh i did i did a wedding this last year where i i asked the guy that and he said no i don't and i said well you know this is going to be tough (laughs) And, and I went ahead and 
And I did the wedding because I loved the family. And I loved the people who were involved. And, and I wanted to be involved in their lives. And I also appreciated the young man's honesty. Because I've, I've sat there so many times with, with a young couple. And, got, and listen to me, girls. Sitting there many times with a young couple and say, tell me about your relationship with Jesus. And the guy sitting there, you know, going, yeah, I, I know Jesus. I, I love Jesus. Yeah, we're going to start going to church and blah. And I'm sitting there going, you are such a liar. You sit on a throne of lies. Yeah. You know, and she's just sitting there going, ah. You know, I'm going, oh, is there some way I could tell you? I'm telling you now, you know. If, it, if, he, if, it, if he might be lying, he is lying. And it doesn't just start when you get to the pastor's office either. But, yeah, all righty. I say amen to that. There we go. Yeah. A Christian marriage starts with both members having a relationship with Jesus that causes them to be willing to walk in humility with each other. That's the foundation for it. Now, the separate, if you will, vive la différence. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. There's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of kickback on this point in today's world. And the fault doesn't lie with the women. 20 years ago, I might have had a different viewpoint on that, but I'm old enough now that I realize, uh-uh. See, the men have been so abusive and unfair to women throughout all of history in every culture that it's only by the grace of God that they can stand us at all. I'm serious. You, know, you, you think about think about it. I mean, guys, really, we're ugly, and we're kind of crude. You know, we we don't we we burp and don't say excuse me. You know, we're just kind of we're guys, and we all think we are so cool. I mean, really, you know, you, you know, you, you, even, even when you get older and, and one of the things, one of the things that I've tried to, one of the things that I've tried to, to realize is, okay, there was a day when I was old enough to be her father, you know, whoever her was. Now I'm old enough to be her grandfather. And, and so, you know, it's a little easier to kind of go, you know, just don't even go there, buddy. But, but most guys, I mean, we're just hardwired to think we are so cool. We're so attractive. You know, every woman in the world just thinks we're great. I'm just telling you all what guys think. And, you know, these guys are being quiet because they're going, that preacher's lying. No, no, they're just, they're just dumb. Just telling you right now. And yet they, they... Why? That, that is, I'm serious, it's the grace of God. 
He's put, he put something, he, he, you know, he, uh, you know, women can be pretty smart, but he, he put this gene in there that was just kind of like short circuited some of the smartness at some point when they look at guys. Nevertheless, this is still the woman's key to unlocking the positive feedback spiral. And it should be, it should be the easiest role in Christian marriage. And when it isn't, it's, it's because we made it hard. But it should be the easiest. Marriage, and it is essential, because marriage is not a democracy. It cannot be a democracy. I mean, well, in the first place, democracy isn't a biblical concept. Every time in Scripture where you run into a situation where the majority is going, hey, let's go do this, trouble is on its way. Seriously. When you look at the Bible. But, uh, uh, but it can't be a democracy because you only got two people. And when you got two people, you know, it's either going to be unanimous or it's going to be split. And newsflash, sometimes it's going to be split. It, it, it absolutely is. But you can have something better than democracy and something better than unanimity, and that's unity. If you're going to stay together without constant tension, then somebody's got to give in. Somebody's got to be willing to give in. And you can't keep score. You can't go, well, it's your turn now. Uh, no, it was your turn last time. It's my turn now. You know, you, you can't keep score in the first place. If you, if you are keeping score, then according to 1 Corinthians 13, you, that's not love. Because love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. And the second place, if you're trying to keep score, it's going to get very, very weird. I mean, even if you're writing things down. Because there'll come a time when you'll go, well, let's see, you, it was, you, yeah, all right, yeah, I, I, you gave in last time, but that was about getting what brand of peanut butter to buy. This is about buying a house. So what, why do you, you know, why, th- these things aren't equal when you get right down to it. Hey, God just cut through the whole thing. And, and he didn't, you know, and he, and he did it in such a simple way because you know, he could have said, well, it's the prettiest one. Well, okay, that would most of the time be, be the woman, in spite of, well, never mind. Uh, or he could have said the strongest one, that would most of the time be the man, but not always. Uh, he could have said the tallest one, he could have said the, uh, you know, he could have said the smartest one, uh, but all of that would get very, very confusing. He said, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. Let's, let's just do it this way. You can follow the Bible's ground rules, and when it comes right down to it, you both know that ultimately she'll say, I'm with you. One exception. The exception is if the husband's decision is in clear violation of her relationship with Christ. If it is, she follows Christ. Rightly so. Husbands. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You know, it's a lot easier to follow 
It's a lot easier to simply submit than it is to love. We think, we think love has something to do with the way that somebody looks. <laughs> that, that, that is so wrong. It's not even clo- Attraction has something to do with the way that somebody looks. You know, if you want to be somewhat crude about it, lust has something to do with the way somebody looks. That has nothing to do with love. Nothing whatsoever. Love, love is, is, is a choice that we make. And love requires choice. And it isn't easy because love requires putting someone else ahead of you. You have to be willing to say, this person's needs are more important than my needs. This person's desires are more important than my desires. This person's life is more important than my life. As Christ loved the church, I believe he died on the cross for the church. If I'm not mistaken, and I'm not. And this is what... The scripture instructs instructs a husband to do. Next week, I'm going to go a lot more deeply into this. But but for now, just remember this phrase when it comes to, to being a husband. Gave himself up for her. When, uh, when people have me do uh, their wedding vows, and, you know, I just, they say, you do them. You, you decide what we're going to say. Uh, and they really aren't the vows, they're the intentions. Uh, you know, the traditional ones are love, honor, and obey for the woman. Um, uh, uh, love, honor, and cherish for the man. And I go, well, you know, cherish, oh, that's such a cute little word. But we don't really, it doesn't have any power in our vernacular anymore. And so I, I always substitute love, honor, and lay down your life for as Christ laid down his life for the church. Because that's what's supposed to happen. And here's, here's, where, the, here's where the positive speed feedback spiral comes into place. A woman who has a man that she absolutely knows loves her. She can trust him to put her needs first and her interest in front of his own She's going to have very little trouble saying, I'm with you, dear. Very little trouble. I, I, I've rarely, I, I've never seen a situation. I mean, I, I, I know it can happen, but I've really, it's a very rare thing where you've got a situation where you've got a man who will do that and a woman who goes, I'm not with you. Uh, if, if you do, then you've got a really, I'm, yeah, I'm a crazy woman. Because really, I mean, if somebody is putting you first and laying down their life for you, and you're going to go, no, I don't want that. Something's wrong with you. But, but a woman who has, who has a man who will do that, she feels secure. She feels empowered. She, she's, she's able to move forward and, and do things that she absolutely couldn't do otherwise. And, and a man, a man who's got a, a, a woman who he knows is going to be, I'm with you. Ultimately, when, it, when, when, when everything is said and done and 
and I'm not saying they don't discuss it, okay? Because I, I'll just go ahead and, and give you a little clue about next week. A man who doesn't pay attention cannot be a good husband. Got to pay attention. You got to listen. You got, this is a job. This isn't just something that you fall into. Yeah. But, but once, once the decision is made, if it's a decision he's got to make, she says, I'm with you. Oh, that man, that, that particular, the result is that that man with such a woman feels confident. He feels empowered. It doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks or what anybody else feels about it. She's with him. She's on board. And so he, 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 begins, to, he begins to move in a level of confidence that he's never moved in before. And, 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 and the more that she's willing to do that, the more he's going to love her. Uh, the more he's going to understand what he's got. And the more he loves her, the more she's willing to do that. And, and the more she's, she's willing to submit, the more he loves her. And, and, that, and that builds up. And the, and the more they both become confident, secure, empowered, able to move and do things in life that they could not do otherwise without, without, without the other person. Spoiler alert, in, in the play, in this play at the end, it's a romantic comedy, so you know somebody ends up getting together, right? And, and the, the couple that ends up getting engaged, one of them says to the other, well, if I, if I want to take the world with power and you want to take the world with love, hey, guess which one wanted to do what? I, the guy. Anyway, uh, it says, if I want to take the world with power and you want to take the world with love, which one of us will win? And she says, because she has more sense, neither one of us alone but together we'll be able to do it marriage isn't for everybody if you have that gift to to not be married the presence and power of the holy spirit can do all of this okay but for most of us we need somebody and if you got somebody the devil hates that and he has put so many false ideas and so many, so much confusion and, and, and so many false bunny trails and false doors out there about what marriage is and what makes it work. It's very simple. It's very simple. We submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives submit to their husbands. Let me just say this because I was talking with a guy earlier uh, Talking with a couple of guys, actually, uh, who've been in the first service. You, you know, guys, you gotta you gotta know when to make the call. You know, if if the uh, if the decision is uh, what kind of coffee to buy, get what she likes. If the decision is what color to paint the living room, if you got any sense, it's going to be the color she wants it to be. But when the decision is something that God has definitely put on your heart and said, go here and do that, you don't, you don't shirk the responsibility. You go, this is what we got to do. And in a godly marriage, she goes, you know, hey, I got, I, got the, I got the green living room and the coffee. I'll go with you. Marriage is a powerful thing, and when it doesn't work, it's like driving a high-speed sport car. 
and having it crash can be a really rough thing. And one of the things that we're going to talk about later on in this series is picking up the pieces. But for today, next next Sunday I'm going to be talking about um, uh, being a godly husband. Uh, And then the Sunday after that, Barbie's going to talk about being a godly wife if she doesn't chicken out. (laughs) And she won't chicken out because I know her. Uh, and we're, and we're going to talk about children, and we're, going, but we're going, and we're going to talk about picking up the pieces. Living drenched in the home is more important than living drenched on Sunday morning in this building. And as I said at the beginning, if you're in a, if you're in a marriage right now, if you're in a situation, and what I've described is not at all what you got, you know, don't get mad at me and don't, you know, don't get discouraged and don't, don't feel sad. Change. Let God open up dialogue and begin to bring change into your lives. Would you stand with me? You guys are courageous. Anytime you go to a church that's got an old pastor who's been there a long time, there's no telling what he'll say. And, and it's courageous to, to do that. Would those who are going to uh, pray with people, minister to people, come down front? And if you're here today and you need prayer for something, we, we want to... Uh, we want to pray for you. And it doesn't have to be a marriage situation. It, it can be. I, I feel like when God ordains a particular word to go forth on a particular day, that he has a particular grace connected to that word. So definitely, if there is that kind of issue, it may be, uh, well, I won't go into what it may be. You come. But any need that you have. His grace is sufficient. His love is deep and strong. He's able. If you don't need to come, worship with us for a few moments. I could just sit. I could just sit and wait for all your goodness. Hope to feel your presence. I could just stay, I could just stay right where I am and hope to feel you, hope to feel something
interested in auditioning for The Giver, they had to call off the evening auditions this last week, so they're having auditions again three o'clock today in this room. And uh, this next weekend will be the last one to come see Sabrina Fair. Come see it. Raise your hand. Let me give you a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who sent His Son into the world so that we might walk in freedom and not fear, who sent His Son into the world so that we might be empowered to do His will and not our own, so that we might be empowered to lay down our lives for one another. May that power be in you. And may you experience the joy of living such a life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.